today we are looking at one of the, the passages um, that we call a post-resurrection uh, appearance by Jesus. This is a very, it's a well-known passage, but my, my guess is that most of us, if I were to ask you today to tell me the story of Christmas, you might uh, probably tell me some stories. You might tell me, you probably tell me the story from the beginning of, of this gospel, from Luke's gospel, about Mary and Joseph and traveling to Bethlehem to go to uh, for a census to be taken. And you might tell me about a stable and there being no room in the inn. And so they stayed in the stable and they laid the child in a manger. You might bring in uh, the shepherds from the fields. You might go over to Matthew and bring in the wise men. You probably at home have a, have a crash or a nativity of some sort that has all these characters in it. And you would know this story very, very well. I have become intrigued this year because I have heard about Easter crashes, and I'm not even sure that's the right word for it, uh, but the idea of setting up a similar scene uh, for Easter. And I, I kind of thought, like, what characters would be in that scene? I, I'm assuming it doesn't start with the crucifixion or the trial or the arrest, because then you might have you might have Peter and you might have Judas and you might have Pilate and you might have other people to cross. I'm assuming it starts on Easter morning. And so then you would have characters like Mary, who was the first one at the tomb, Mary and the other women. Hopefully there'd be a lot of women in this scene. Uh, you'd have uh, some, maybe an angel. You might have some of the other disciples that came and very quickly peeked in and said, nope, we can't believe this. And they, they went back. And But I wonder if some of these other characters that come up a little bit later, today's reading um, happens on Easter afternoon. It, it just is right after the resurrection. And it is the story of Jesus encountering some of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Cleopas is named in this passage. I bet he's not in that Easter crash, but he probably should be. Let me read to you this passage. This is Luke 24. Now on that same day, two of them, same day being Easter, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all people and how the chief priests and the leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all that, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some of the women of our group astounded us. 
They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they came, they did not find his body there. They came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer and these things enter into, into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted it to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead of them as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he had been made to known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This road to Emmaus story is, um, it's such a beautiful passage and it's so poignant and there's parts of it that are just, they're almost heartbreaking in their simplicity and in their um, the way that it's worded. There is this lovely, well, first that their eyes were kept from recognizing him, that here they are walking and talking, and we have no idea why it is that they couldn't recognize Jesus, this one that they had been walking along and had known for maybe three years. But for some reason, they didn't recognize who he was. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him, it says. And then it says they just stood still and were sad. I think of the road to Emmaus as a road to an unknown place, a journey that disciples take, that all of us take. We are all in the post-resurrection church. We are all in a church where Jesus walks among us, but we don't always recognize him. And in this case, they are walking with Jesus in their grief, and in their fear, and in their anxiety, why they were going to Emmaus, we don't know. Some of the disciples and other gospels are, are locked in a room for fear that they would be the next one to be uh, killed at the hands of the state. Uh, but these disciples, Cleopas and his companion, left. And they left in grief, and they stood there looking sad. And then in what is the most heartbreaking uh, passage in this section. We had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. 
here it was that they had been living with this hope. They just had been following Jesus and they had all of this hope and all of this excitement and all of this possibility that seemed to be um, just brimming, that Jesus was going to come and he was going to overtake Israel. And of course, they were hoping for some sort of military redemption, but in Christ, the redemption that came, the salvation that came was not about military might and power and strife and all that kind of stuff. It was a redemption that comes in a, in a Messiah that comes to redeem God's people. We had hoped, we had hoped. It feels like we are living in a time where so much hope feels lost. Not, not permanently, but even for now, I'm, I'm grieving with the class of 2020 that will not have their big graduation ceremonies. And even if they do it in three or six months from now, it won't be the same because it's not in the moment. I had a wedding that was scheduled for early next month that was canceled. And I, I grieve for that bride and groom because they had hoped, they had sent out their wedding invitations. They imagined that that was going to be the day. We live in a time when lots of people are canceling vacation plans, they're canceling all kinds of plans, and we don't know what is ahead in our journey. We don't know when the next time it is we will be safe to gather here in the sanctuary and feel like everybody is, is safe and well protected and that we can, we can do what we do as a church, lift our hearts and praise. We had hoped, we had hoped for so many things. And so Jesus comes and he walks along the disciples, alongside them, and he talks to them and he hears what they were hoping for. And, and he's understandably disappointed that they don't seem to get it. They don't seem to understand where, um, where this redemption lies. And then in what is the most tantalizing part of scripture that I think is just, it should be like another 12 books of the Bible. It says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Oh my goodness, I wish that we were all a part of that sermon. Somebody should have recorded that. But we didn't get that part. But it says that suddenly they, they start to uh, understand all that Jesus has been talking about up until now. Still, they don't recognize him. And then they get to the village of Emmaus. And Jesus continues to walk on, and they're like, oh, no, wait, please come and stay with us. Well, they don't know who this guy is, but they say, still, come and, come and stay with us. It's getting to be evening. It's dark. You don't want to be out there on your own. Come and stay with us. And then it is in the breaking of the bread, the blessing and breaking of the bread, that they suddenly realize that Jesus has been with them all along. All along the road, all along the way, and the fear and their sadness and what they thought were their dashed hopes, what they thought were their lost dreams, that Jesus was present all along. And it was something as mundane as breaking bread and sitting at table with Jesus that opened their minds. And then suddenly they're like, gosh, were our hearts not burning within us? Suddenly they're remembering that, wait a minute, all along that road, Jesus was with us. I think that these resurrection, these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus are there for us in the modern church. And, well, I should say any part of the church history for the last 20 centuries. 
the church that did not experience Jesus directly, but who knows what it is to be accompanied by Christ on the roads of unknowing, the roads of uncertainty, the roads of grief and sadness and sorrow. When we feel like our hopes are lost, when it feels like our anxieties are winning, and right in the middle of that spot, Jesus meets us and walks along the road with us and then gathers at table with us. Today, we are going to gather at this familiar table, a table that we have dedicated to Christ's glory and to remembering Christ's presence among us. I have never celebrated a virtual communion before. In fact, when when all of this craziness started a month and a half ago, I thought, oh gosh, I, I can't imagine doing that. We will just not celebrate communion until we are back together. And now it's become evident that it's going to become a while before we're back together, at least in our fullness. And so I believe that our God is a God that stretches beyond the walls of the church, that Christ meets us wherever we are on our journey, that whatever Emmaus road we find ourselves on, Christ is there. And whatever table we break bread at, Christ is there. And so today we are going to break bread together. We are going to remember that Christ is present with us on the Emmaus road that we find ourselves on right now, this road of uncertainty and anxiety of fears and griefs and dashed hopes. But even in the midst of that, Christ comes to us. And so today, as we gather at the table, let us open our hearts in new ways to Christ coming and meeting us in this place. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for the ways that you meet us on our roads to Emmaus. We give you thanks for the ways that you encounter us in the midst of our fears and anxieties, our griefs and our hopes, and that you break bread among us, blessing us, renewing us, and opening us, God, to your holy presence. Meet us, God, on this road. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.